1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff D back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hour three of the nightcap here on Vsin uh, To my left, Nick Ashu, I'm Tim Murray, live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. The Milwaukee Bucks take a 3-2 series lead now, a minus 500. Series price there for the Milwaukee Bucks to advance on to the NBA Finals. What a performance tonight from the starting five. No Giannis, no Trey Young, Nick. And the starter stepped up right from the jump. We've talked about it quite a bit. We talked about it last night, what we expected. And the Bucks came out, and uh, they were ready to go, unlike game four. And you get 25 from Drew Holiday and 13 assists. You get 22 from Bobby Portis in the starting role. Eight rebounds. 33 points tonight. Brooke Lopez, a game-high 33 points. His pregame over-under was 13-and-a-half. I'd like to say he uh, yeah, went over on that one. Seated his expectations yeah, a little bit. Just, just and a then bit. Chris Middleton with 26 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 assists shy of a triple-double there for Chris Middleton. So a hell of a performance tonight from the Milwaukee Bucks as their starters uh, combined. Really, those four, uh, doing the quick math, they combined for 103, 105, uh, 105, I believe. You're almost there. Come on. Of uh, the 123 of the Bucks points.
5: Good for you. That's actually really good math on the fly. I'm very impressed. This is what they needed. You needed Drew Holiday. You needed Chris Middleton to step up. You needed them to be stars. You needed them to be the guys that fill the gaps when it comes to not having Giannis out there. You go out and you make this trade. You bring out somebody like a Drew Holiday, who's supposed to be your third. By the way, they call it a big three. I I think we use the term big three a little too much. I agree. But, okay, you want to call it their big three, then it's their big three. So they got everything they needed, plus way more than what's expected from Brook Lopez. You're probably not going to see him put up 33 points again in this series, but, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe at this point he just is unconscious and he just averages 30 points a game. No, he's probably not going to do that. But you you had you had your starters step up. You had your starters pretty much do everything. You understood what your strengths were if you were the Milwaukee Bucks and you said, "Oh, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to try and force Jeff Teague down your throat or Bryn Forbes. We're just going to go ahead and let our starters do their thing and that's how we're going to win."
4: And that's what they did in, you know, game 3 against Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh they and that was a game in which I think Chris Middleton and Giannis combined for, what, 68 of the 86 or, or something insane uh, to that. And, and they had to play them uh, a ton of minutes. And, you know, during the regular season, I know Budenholzer likes to limit minutes, and that's fine. But come the playoffs, you can't do that anymore. So uh, we'll see what they have in store. Uh, lines are starting to trickle out uh, here in town at the Westgate Superbook. It is a pick between Atlanta and Milwaukee for Game 6 on Saturday night our friends at DraftKings, Atlanta minus one and a half. So, you know, not that big of a difference, but if you're looking at, you know, money line prices, uh, you can get even money right now in Milwaukee. Uh, if you think the Bucks will take care of business, you can get even money for them to win that game uh, against the Hawks come Saturday night. So a total of 215. We'll, we'll get a little bit more uh, in on this game here uh, in, in just a minute or two. But Nick, Uh, We just saw a a walk-off situation. I believe the Reds had lost something like six in a row uh, to the San Diego Padres, and Mark Melanson gives up a pair of runs. Now, not all his fault, as there was a ball laced the left field, and it hit Jerickson Profar directly in the glove. He drops it, keeps the inning alive, and then Tyler Stevenson able to come through with a single-to-right uh, to make it a 5 4 victory. So the Cincinnati Reds beat the San Diego Padres. The Reds now at 500 uh, on the season, uh, but a slight favorite tonight, and they're able to get the win over the Padres in extra innings. We also saw Freddie Freeman come through with a, a walk off hit uh, that went off the foot of Seth Lugo. Another bases loaded situation. That was a Jacob DeGrom start. DeGrom gave up three runs. He showed he was human. Wow. Still struck out 14. Yeah. His ERA is still under one. So he's half human? No, he's still full cyborg. Uh, But the Mets did lose, so the Mets lose, the Nats lose, Mets lead, and the NLE still remains two games. It is the nightcap. Let's keep it rolling right here on VEASAN. And an ICAP hour number three here on VSIN and the iHeartRadio app. A multitude of ways to check us out. Uh, that is Nick Ashu at Nick Ashu on Twitter. Does fine work in the, the nation's capital, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, 1067, the fan there in the D.C. area. At 1 Tim Murray's is where you can find me on Twitter. We're hoping uh, to get a little preview and just a little, mm, what's the, what's the temperature like? They're in the Big Apple because the Yankees are not performing to Mm. the standards that their fans expect, Nicholas. But I would sure the fans are calm. They're collected.
5: They they have all of their emotions in check throughout this process. I can guarantee that. I'm sure
4: that is not the case. Yes, that Uh, is. Hal Steinbrenner came out today and said that uh, I believe I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. We'll get more, uh, hopefully, from John here in a little bit, but uh, that the players are more to blame and that uh, Aaron Boone's, he's safe. We'll see. I mean, at least he's honest. We—that's how he feels. We will see. Their game today <laughs> uh, against the Angels was rained out. The Red Sox just continue to throttle teams. They won fifteen to one today, so the Red Sox remain well up in the uh, the AL East there, as they are nine games ahead of the Yankees, three and a half clear of the Rays after a fifteen to one thumping of the Kansas City Royals wasn't really a, a 15 to 1 baseball thumping but it, it never felt all that close earlier tonight as the bucks jumped out to a 20 point lead in the first quarter reminiscent of game 3 against Brooklyn and they win 123 to 112 tonight nick over the Atlanta Hawks the total ended up crashing down to 213 when the news came out that Trey Young would not be playing and the bucks did what they should have done in game 4 uh, I know I keep harping on that. It's just hard to get it out of my brain. But they did what they needed to do tonight. They came out. They thrived off of their crowd. And uh, their players, without the likes of Giannis, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, uh, Chris Middleton, and Bobby Portis, all stepped up big time, all going for more than 20. And the Bucks take a 3-2 series lead and now have to just win one of the final two, including one at home, to head to the NBA Finals. They had those four guys do
5: everything for them. And really what the Bucs were, the Bucs were the guy, it's like, you know what, I'm not going to try to compete with my older, richer friends. I'm not going to try to be like you. I'm not going to try to match your lifestyle. I'm going to do what works best for me, and I'm going to understand exactly who I am, have that self-awareness, understand what my identity is, and we're not going to worry about our bench. We're not going to worry about uh, Bryn Forbes and the other not Giannis Antetokounmpo out there contributing. We're just going to let our starters play big minutes, 45 for Chris Middleton, 42 for Drew Holiday. Even P.J. Tucker only had five points, only took five shots, but he played 38 minutes. At this point, you should have a shorter bench. You should have a shorter rotation anyway in the playoffs. Work with what you've got, and Milwaukee is better at the top of their roster than Atlanta is, but Atlanta's deeper. So Atlanta worked with their bench, they use their depth to their advantage or tried to at times. Milwaukee said, no, we're just going to be the team that goes out here and beat you with our starters. And it worked for them. Now, granted, you're also expecting Brooke Lopez uh, to maybe not put up 33 on you if you're Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. So it's Probably not going to happen again, but he made it work. He didn't take a ton of threes. He took two threes. He was 0 for 2 from 3, 14 for 18 from the field. That's what worked for him.
4: Six points in the paint. Yeah. And had 20 That's combined. old school basketball right there. That is old school NBA. And he took advantage there, and you just do wonder... Um, like I said, and I've been saying, as of right now, subject to change. Mm-hmm. Like Nick's opinion on this game, which is subject to now, change. Why are you going to bring that playoffs. up? What, what? come on. I, I don't know. I, I know. I should have stayed with Milwaukee. You, you I didn't felt have it to last tweet it night. out earlier
5: today. I'm honest. I am honest. Yeah. But you don't have well, to make I'm it worse. I'm honest, too. You just, did I bring up you picking the Clippers?
4: Yeah, yeah but I did. See, I left that alone. Did mid-game. I, uh, in-game better Clippers, I, in-game, the Clippers. I, in-game, the Clippers, and that did not yeah. uh, not work out all that well. Uh, but the Clippers, uh, their season done, Suns moving on, and uh, a very nice performance from the Bucs. Uh, but like I said, I, I am, as as of right now, no feel right now on this game come, uh, come game six down in Atlanta. Because I, I do feel like Atlanta has the capabilities, Nick, uh, we talked about. We haven't talked a ton about Kevin Herder. Uh, he, he did not play all that well here tonight. Um, you know, Bogdanovich seems to be kind of getting back in the groove a little bit there with his shooting stroke. Um, so yeah, we we will see. I, I think this is a, a a game to look over a little bit uh, at 2:15. That would be the way. If I had to play it right now, I would look over for Game Six at 2:15, based off of what we saw tonight. No Giannis again, and how just drastically different defensively, the Bucs are without Giannis. And that's really the big issue you have,
5: though. If you're looking at that, you're looking at anything involving this game right now. We don't know what Trey Young's situation is, and we don't know what Giannis' situation is. Now, there's more of a chance that Trey Young plays. I think you'd probably feel more comfortable that he's out there and even some capacity versus Giannis just not being out there at all. But I'd still take the over in this, just given the fact that there's a lot of firepower from the Hawks. You've got a lot of guys that when they get hot, now they have to, obviously, but when they get hot, they can put up big numbers. And you're playing at home in front of your home crowd, making sure that you don't want to get eliminated. It is a, it is an opportunity for the Atlanta Hawks to get out to a big lead early and just start knocking down shots.
4: Well, Bucks fans are ready to fire Mike Budenholzer after the performance <laughs> uh, that the Bucks showed on. Uh, on Tuesday night. Now they'll be a little happier. I don't know if Nick, uh, I don't know what Yankee fans will do uh, <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Let's say the Yankees at Yankee Stadium got swept by the New York Mets who lost earlier tonight. Uh, but let's bring in a gentleman who knows the pulse of New York City. His podcast is New York, New York on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's John Yastrzemski. John. Uh, today Hal Steinbrenner coming out giving the old voe of confidence to his uh, his manager Aaron Boone this has been to say the least a disappointing season uh, for the New York Yankees a massive number preseason for them in their win total and they sit 41-36 and 36, 9 games back of the Red Sox what's gone wrong how much is Aaron Boone to blame and is it fixable for the New York Yankees this year
6: Timmy, it's always a pleasure to be on. That's a mouthful, quite (laughs) frankly. And I think everything that happened so far, the first three months of the year has been a mouthful and not in a positive way for the New York Yankees. They've been a massive flop. And I think, unfortunately for Yankee fans, they were kind of delivered this, like, false hope in thinking that Hal Steinbrenner was going to come out on Thursday and start acting like his daddy. He ain't his daddy. There was not going to be a firing. There was not going to be the patent missive. You were not going to get anything like that. And basically what he did is he said, it's on the players. I think we're good enough. I think Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are good enough. And I still believe. Stunning, because if you watch the Yankees play this year, they have been miserable. They're an unwatchable team. They're poorly put together they basically have about seven all or nothing type of hitters they're all right-handed they don't play defense they don't run the bases and i thought they were flawed going into the year timmy i never in a million years could have imagined the yankees would be this bad and if you would have told me back in april the yankees would be what eight and a half nine games out of first place i would have thought we were both taking crazy pills quite frankly
5: (laughs) You know, I think your response to this, John, is exactly what we expected, and I think it's exactly what you would expect from most people in New York. Uh, I, I feel like this is almost a dangerous question for me to ask, given the way you just responded to that. But is there any hope that the Yankees can turn this around and finish the season a lot stronger than they have right now?
6: Can they finish the season stronger? Yes. Yeah, we we're talking about a team that was the American League favorite mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. The Yankees turning their season around and getting into the playoffs and losing in a wild card game does nothing for me. Can they do that? Sure. Yeah, they can do that. They still got 81 or so games to work with. I don't think it's going to happen. I would be surprised if it happens. Look at those American League odds. I mean, the Red Sox and what they've done remarkable, and don't tell me a manager doesn't matter. Tampa, though, to me, is still a team I'd circle. Tampa doesn't get the respect they deserve from the books because they don't have a high payroll. They don't have a whole lot of sexy names. They know how to win. If I had to make a bet right now on somebody to win the American League East, and I, I know the value is not really there with Tampa, I think Tampa is going to beat out the Bo Sox. I do.
4: You know what's interesting, John, and and this is obviously the liability is baked into these odds. And if you're if you're a sports book, you you don't have to drop odds uh, on teams, right? You ha- you have to make sure they're short enough in case they're doing well. So I just pulled up one particular book here in town. The Rays and the Yankees had the same odds to win the American League, and that might be some some hesitation of just talent alone. But uh, both were sitting there at plus five fifty. So I- I'm going to go on a limb and say. Plus 550 for a 41 and 36 baseball team, nine games out of first place, probably isn't the best investment to make on July 1st.
6: Yeah, and I think, Timmy, more than anything, that's that Yankee tax that I talk about all the time. And there are certain teams, listen, you guys know this, you guys do this professionally. Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys, those public teams, those national teams, you're normally not going to get great bang for your buck. You're just not. It's the nature of the beast. They're always going to be overvalued. They're always going to be overhyped. Yankees, plus 550? Are you kidding me? I- I'm speechless. I mean, that's that's crazy talk. I have a little bit of a cough. I'm also speechless at the <laughs> same time because that kind of blows my mind. It really does. You're, you're making that bet. S- something, something has gone wrong tonight. Maybe one too many cocktails. I don't know. <laughs> You
5: know, you got the the Mets coming up next. Uh, It's a weird dynamic because there's a new owner, and suddenly there's like this new energy around the Mets, yet it seems like most people still have the idea. They were
4: embracing Bobby Bonilla today. uh, Which
5: is weird to see that. It's like now everybody's celebrating it. They're not making fun of it, which I think is the right idea because it's fun. But when you look at this Mets team right now and the Yankees and Mets playing each other, look, I'm from D.C. I'm sitting here with the Nationals going, you know, they got a chance to overtake the Mets. Is this Mets team different than what we've had in the past? And what I mean by different is, are they just going to Met by the end of the year? Or are they going to hold out and actually
6: win this division? Here's what I like about what the Mets can do in the second half of the year. They have an ownership group that will be willing to go the extra mile to invest in the ball club. If that means getting another starting pitcher, I think they'll do it. If it means getting a bat, I think they'll do it. From a value standpoint, though, I would never in a million years play 400 with the Mets. With the way they score runs this year, no way. Nationals, though, plus 700? Schwarber's playing like an MVP? Get Strasburg back? If only they could find a way to straighten out Patrick Corbin, you might be cooking with something there. I don't like the Phillies at all. Atlanta, I was very high on them at the beginning of the year. Guys, I don't see it with the Braves this year. If I'm going to take a flyer with anybody in that division, give me the hottest team. Give me the Nationals at 7-1. Why not?
4: Yeah, and this stretch right now, and Nick actually wrote an article about this uh, today. Uh, you know, you, you look at, they got the Dodgers, then they have the Pod, uh, Giants, Padres on a West Coast trip, come back from the All-Star break, Padres, Padres again. again. Well, but you finagle your way through that, uh, I agree. I think at that price, it's it's worth the play. You're just going to keep it continuing to drop. Uh, we're talking to John Yastrzemski uh, from the Ringer Podcast Network. New York, New York is his podcast. All right, John, we've been talking uh, quite a bit about the NFC East tonight, and this is a division— uh, that has not seen a back-to-back winner since the Eagles won four in a row uh, in the Andy Reid days back in you know the early 2000s. So Washington was the winner last year. The Cowboys are the most talented. But am I crazy, John? I, I like the Giants at plus 450. Saquon's back. A lot of buzz about Joe Judge entering year two. Daniel Jones may have taken another step. Galladay comes in. They draft Kadarius Toney in the first round. Talk me off plus 450 on the Giants.
6: I think you're getting a real good total, Timmy, in a wide open division. It's all about the quarterback, though. To me, that bet is all about whether or not Daniel Jones in his third year is going to take the next step. I just finished a television spot a few minutes ago on SOI with the talented Michelle Margot. She asked me point blank, what are the odds? NFC's, who do you like? So this is actually very good for me, guys. I feel like I'm nice and warmed up, ready for the guys out in Vegas. (laughs) I think the Washington football team, though, at plus 250 is a great investment. I think they have the best defense in this division. I think they're well coached, and they got a little Fitzmagic on their side. Cowboys, talking about public teams, they are way too overpriced here. Eagles, forget about them. I think the NFC East comes down to Timmy's giant pick, my Washington pick. Well, and what hopefully is, we can on. split what the baby and we both pick money. What the hell is going on? I'm
4: from D.C., grew up a Washington fan. Nixon, mm-hmm. You're a New York guy and you're picking. What are, we, what are we doing here? This is weird.
6: Well, listen, you guys know this. I am a die-hard Miami Dolphins fan. That's true. So when it comes to the New York football teams, there <laughs> is no, you know, sense of uh, favoritism, if you will. I th- I'm a straight shooter always until, like, I see it. But New York guy picking against New York, naturally, you know? <laughs> Saquon
5: Barkley's plus 800 to lead the league in rushing. You like that? Think there's a chance that happens?
6: No, I don't like that for this reason. Saquon is too much of a home run hitter. Yeah. And to me, if you're gonna lead the league in rushing, you gotta have those workman like games. That's what Derrick Henry's able to do. That's what Nick Chubb is able to do. Aaron Jones is able to do, Dalvin Cook. I give you four or five guys to lead the league in rushing before I give you Saquon.
4: Well, John, always appreciate it. You know, you're you're the busiest man in New York City. That's saying something. We appreciate it as always, and we'll be talking to you soon.
6: Guys, the media tour comes to an end. It's like five, six spots today. Anything for you guys. <laughs> Follow up. is, Josh
4: <laughs> Check out his podcast on the Ringer Network, New York, New York. We got treats and beats coming up for you next right here
0: on the Nightcap.
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
4: You know, sometimes when you're so ingrained in an area for so long, you're a bit jaded by them. It's funny mm-hmm. talking to John just a moment ago, Nick Ashew, Tim Murray with you here on the Nightcap, talking about NFC East odds. And I, I'm buying in, you know, on Ron Rivera and what Washington's yeah. been doing there, Nick. But, well, the standards were low. You just
5: needed grownups to be in charge first. Like, that was the standard. It was like, how about some adults be in charge
4: for a little bit? And then we'll go from there. And 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 for them at 5 to 2 it was it's it's a little short. I, I love their defense obviously. They've mm-hmm. got playmakers uh, outside. Terry McLaurin keeps emerging as a, as a big time wide receiver, but the NFC East loves to to eat itself and then I, I do think that that 17th game, now the Giants don't have a walk in the park. They have to go to Miami, but Washington has to go to Buffalo yeah. in December. That's their 17th game, and I think that's a big difference. So um, I, I get why he, he's intrigued by Washington, John, and, and a lot of people are, but for me, it's, it's Giants just at the price. It is, a, it is a weird
5: Twilight Zone situation. Just seeing people on a national level right. even give Respecting the organization... Any, but I'm telling you, a lot of it is just the fact that you have people that are in charge that are respected around the NFL. And that's where it starts. You build a culture, and then you start going from there. And you're, you're watching so many jump on this Washington bandwagon. You still got to figure out the quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick... A guy who's Listen, never won a playoff game. I I have said in D.C. I've set the over under at how many quarterbacks play for them
4: this year at two and a half, and I'm taking the over. Yeah, you got I think they're Kyle have all Allen, three quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke, and uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So uh, we will see. But uh, the NFC East always is interesting, even if it's not the the most talented. Uh, <laughs> it's intriguing division, even it's if always, it's the NFC least. But it is always interesting. Yep. Um, we're going to get some a little bit of college football. Uh, just a moment, because it was certainly an interesting day. Not something that we dive in all that much with the NIL news, but I, I do think um, big picture for you know the futures market. Not that you could play futures down the road, but it's something to keep an eye on. But you know some of the bigger names uh, in the Heisman race uh, could be brought up with the, that NIL discussion. But let's get to some treats and beats. And uh, Nick, would you like to lead us off? Uh, not really, but I guess I have. How, to. how was your night? It was great. Vegas. Well,
5: listen. Milwaukee came in for me at minus one and a half in the first half. Yes, so that us. was good. Uh, the Hawks money line for some reason I thought was worth it to me after picking the Bucks last night. I said, you know what? My gut's telling me... And you stuck with that even after the trade Young news came out, correct? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, I already had the ticket, so I really didn't have a choice. <laughs> the money had been handed over, and you could, I had then you moved could bet, forward You could it. bet more. I know I could have, but you know what I said? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to trust my gut. It turns out that that gut was either indigestion or a hangover. I don't know what it was, but it was a terrible decision. Oh, also, Drew Holiday, I had the under 10.5 assists. He had 13. He'd only had 11 assists three times this entire postseason. And of course, when I see that number and go, that's too high, that's too high of a number. He's going to put up big numbers scoring wise, but I don't think those assists are going to be that high. And sure enough, 13 assists. And it was just one of those nights for me, but the bucks delivered at
4: least in the first half. So I'll take that. Yeah. For me, you know, last night on the show, we talked about bucks, first half bucks, first quarter props to uh Doug Cazari, and I texted him and you know, I, I, we started our conversation. I said I like the Bucks first half. He said I like Bucks first quarter. I said all right, I'll play both, and uh, both came home with relative ease. So that was uh, that was a, an enjoyable start uh, there uh, for for me. So a treat there to walk in to the show. It does feel good. I, I've had too many shows, as as our viewers and and more so Aaron and whoever's co-hosting can attest to, where I'm a little grumpy. Mm. A little grumpy with with losers? I can attest
5: that you've been grumpy as long as I've known you when it comes to (laughs) you losing. I've watched you throw fits when the Nationals blow a lead in the game in the middle of a show. I've seen a lot of things from you. So, yeah.
4: So, I'll give you one. uh, It's not a bad beat or anything like that, but it's, it's unusual. I mean, with Jacob deGrom on the hill each and every night, or each and every start, I should say, the first five under is usually a pretty safe play. It was three tonight, juiced to the under. Or sorry, three and a half. I beg your pardon. Juiced to the under at minus one thirty here at Circa. In the first inning, the Mets scored a run in the first, and then Jacob Degrom, yes, that guy, gave up three runs. Ozzie Albies hit a uh, had an RBI single and then a two-run homer. In that inning, from uh, Austin Riley to make it 3-1. If you play the under, which is usually such a good bet, Nick, first five under and a DeGrom start, it was done after the first inning. And guess what? Guess how many more runs were scored the next four innings? Hmm, I'm thinking. Zero. Oh, that's right. The silence tells it. Zero. Yeah. We keep it rolling. It is the nightcap. It was a busy day on Twitter, especially for those college athletes uh, who Twitter's wanted to get busy. that money. It is the nightcap here on Visa.
0: What's
3: up? I'm John Wall.
7: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, king of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have it all?
3: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think I
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
4: The NHL and NBA playoffs are here, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. Vsin hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action, and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel, he's got all of the hoops insights. Our experts and the entire VSIN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game on vsin.com and our daily members only best bet emails. Now's the time, folks, to cash in during the playoffs. Sign up for a 10-day free trial. Head to vcin.com backslash subscribe. Game 6 coming up on Saturday night. Mentioned the Westgate Superbook opened it. Bucks and Hawks at a pick. It has since moved. Mm -hmm. Hawks minus 1. And uh, DraftKings opened it. Hawks minus 1.5. That coming up on Saturday night uh, with a total of uh, 215 right now in that game uh, for the Hawks and the Bucks. Actually, it's gone up to 216. So uh, money coming still in, still taking the over on it. Early coming in They're on the over, me. up to 216 uh, in uh, in a bunch of spots here uh, with the Hawks and the Bucks game number six. Well, it was uh, actually while we were on the air last night because it was midnight Eastern time, and now it's midnight eastern time as well july 2nd but july 1st was a a big day nick with the name image and likeness rules uh coming into effect where players uh, athletes i should say can benefit from their own name image and likeness we saw a a handful of you know a, a smattering of different types of of athletes we saw you know women's basketball players gymnasts uh we saw lsu uh come out with a with like a a pump up video uh, yeah. about uh, it, it was like you know NLSU uh, NILSU, so it's a lot of letters. um yeah. it was, uh, and we saw a bunch of you know big time football players. Spencer Rattler has a, a logo. Uh, uh, Graham Mertz, Wisconsin quarterback, he's got one of those logos too. Uh, De'Ara King, Miami's quarterback's got four different sponsorships uh, already. Doesn't he have College Hunks hauling junk? That was the first yeah. one. Uh, that was the first. Is he going to be hauling any of the junk though? Oh no, he's yeah. just going to wear the gear, yeah. just like. Uh, <laughs> so he, yeah, he had four sponsorship deals in the first thirteen hours of the uh, the nil uh, monetization. So it was it was a fascinating day. You know, this yeah. has always been a long discussion. Uh, I have been uh, an adamant of not paying players a salary per se. Uh, I could, I, you know, I've always said there's a gray area. There can be increase stipends I'm all for that but you know are you' gonna pay them half a million dollars 250 grand I just what is the magical number but that being said what is going on right now totally fine with you're 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 profiting off of off of yourself this is this is a fair
5: compromise for one two we live in a world now where a five-year-old can make three or four million dollars opening boxes of toys mm-hmm If a five-year-old can do that, anybody should be able to monetize what they can do because of their image, their likeness, their brand. It's just the way the world works now. And I know this was a forced thing. I know the NCAA didn't really want to do this. They didn't want to change anything. We know that. But the fact that this is at least allowed now, it gives a decent compromise between both sides. Where, hey, you know what? It's becoming capitalism now. If you can earn the money, go out and earn it. You're not getting a salary. The schools aren't paying you. But at least you have an opportunity to monetize your success in some capacity. And whether that success is what you do in your sport or what you do on social media, it's like real life, and you have that opportunity to do it. And we got people in there with a million followers on Instagram. Go make money! Yeah. I I don't blame you one bit for trying to maximize every little bit of that that you can.
4: Oh, no, I, I totally agree. And, and we saw um, the from Fresno State, their women's basketball, they have a, a set of twins, uh, the vendor Twins, yeah, they have over three million TikTok yeah. followers. Yeah. They were in Times Square last night. Mm-hmm. They had a, a sponsorship deal right away. So, um, yeah, I, I, this is the way it's going. And if if other people in college can benefit off of whether it's a viral sensation or whatever it may be, you know, I'll say this: I, I think football players will benefit, but I think non. Or Olympic sport athletes will actually benefit more if there is a viral sensation uh, or their TikTok or Instagram, whatever it or may just be. just some
5: sort of niche. Like a, right. some sort of sponsor wants to be a part of more of a niche sport. It's an opportunity for them to get in there. Well, a couple of years ago, the
4: UCLA gymnast, uh, she did uh, that floor exercise to, to Michael Jackson, and it went viral, mm-hmm. went crazy. She could have benefited off of that. Yep. Uh, but spinning it back to gambling and looking at the futures board. I, I think the recruiting is going to be interesting how these, how every school embraces NIL. And I think you'd be dumb if you're not embracing it. I think all of these schools are Hunts again, the hype video from LSU, you have to, because you're going to not get players. You're going to not get student athletes. If you don't embrace the NIL yep. movement here, but we mentioned Spencer Rattler uh, mentioned D'Era King some of the really notable names out there um, when it comes to the Heisman Trophy, I I don't, I'm not going to, there might be someone out there dumb enough to say that, you know, Spencer Rattler is going to be distracted from, you know, going out and getting money. Like, no, he's not.
5: He did a TikTok video on
4: the field before the game. It's not a distraction. I I think he's not hard. He's probably also probably realizes that, The better he plays, the more money he has a chance to make. So there's probably actually motivation and incentive to play better. Well, listen, I mean, keep in mind, too, you see certain guys that maybe
5: climb these odds at some point throughout the season. You climb up this list. uh, Somebody like a JT Daniels, who's at 12-1 to right now to win uh, the Heisman. If he starts having a good year at Georgia and he starts climbing, there's more and more conversation about him winning. That means his name is out there just on social media. He's trending more, and that's enough. For somebody to say, hey, you want to talk about my protein powder? Hey, mm-hmm. I got uh, some underwear here. You want to talk about that and wear that? It doesn't matter because you can make money off of anything. So the better a season is for a certain player. And again, it doesn't just have to be Heisman Trophy candidates. But that certainly helps because you're in this conversation
4: and you're in the spotlight more. Now, if you are of the belief that De'Ara King and Miami can challenge Alabama, I am not. But if you are... I think now is the time to get in on him because he is going to be on the biggest stage week one against Alabama, but I'm just not there. And I think D.R. King coming off the ACL is going to have some issues. Uh, the only one that really intrigues me, Emery Jones is intriguing uh, just because Florida is a top 10 team. I think Keaton Slovis has the potential, Nick, to have a big year at USC, there's always one guy that jumps up the list. There's always somebody that ends up being at least in the conversation at the end that you weren't talking about much at the beginning. And Arizona State also has a, a chance. I mean, they've got a really high uh, win total, uh, and Jaden Daniels at 40 to one. So. Keaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, a couple names maybe to to keep an eye on. Uh, But we will wrap things up, take a look ahead to, uh, once again, Bucks and Hawks game six coming up on Saturday, some games tomorrow. Wrap things up as we turn the page next right here on the Nightcap. Wrapping things up here on the nightcap. Nick Ashew, Tim Murray. I'm I'm going yes. through uh cameo right now. It's a long list, man. It is a long list. But uh, now collegiate athletes can be on cameo. Take it's advantage like of it. They were prepared and ready to go the minute they could do it. They sure with were. all these deals. It's weird how that works. <laughs> it's like uh free agency when yeah uh, when when these players sign right away. It's like Kevin Durant oh. agreed to a deal.
5: Like, the minute free agency started with the Nets, and it was like, Oh wow, they reached that deal
4: real quick, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they didn't uh-huh. talk at all. Yeah. Um, Nick, as we as we look ahead, and, you know, we, at, before we look ahead, we look back a little bit to what happened tonight. Milwaukee winning by 11, 123-112, over going uh, sailing, the total sailing, I should say. Uh, 213 is where it closed, kind of crashed with Trey Young news, the Giannis news, uh, but uh, the, the floors were opened up. Got out to a great start for the Milwaukee Bucks, one twenty-three, one twelve, and now we're, we're starting to see a little bit of movement as we look ahead to Saturday night, Nick, with the Atlanta Hawks now opening as a uh, at a pick against Milwaukee, now a slight favorite at minus one at, at some shops here in town, uh, one and a half at DraftKings, mm-hmm. and then a total of two sixteen, and and I even see a, an offshore shop at two sixteen and a half for a game six. I think you and I are in a similar spot. You know, Obviously, tomorrow we'll, we'll break down this game a little bit more in depth. This is more reactionary, but I don't think it is reacting too much in the moment. Um, with the way these two teams play, without Giannis, the Bucks aren't a great defensive team. Uh, they shot extremely well tonight, but I think this pace is sustainable, and I think over is uh, is certainly worth a play. It's,
5: it's definitely... Definitely worth a play. And I really feel confident at this point that even without Trey Young, this Atlanta team is going to come out firing. Uh, They're they're just... They have been that team throughout the entire postseason that's really just had this feeling of, we have nothing to lose. Let's go out there. Let's just have fun. Let's enjoy it because nobody expected us to be here. And those are some of the most dangerous teams. The teams that have no expectations, that have no pressure on them. When you sit there and go... Well, everybody just said that we were supposed to lose in the first round. I think a lot a lot of people picked the Knicks, which was Not me. probably stupid, but there were a lot of people on the Knicks. And Atlanta's just continued to move forward and continued to exceed expectations. I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a high-scoring
4: game. And it's going to be loud in Atlanta, too. Yeah, and you do want... I would say this, Nick. If Trey Young is, is able to play, I mean, he he's clearly not. he's going to be affected by that foot. I mean, you don't miss oh, yeah. you don't miss two games and come back fully healthy. No. Look at James Harden. Look at Mike Conley. Look at Anthony Davis. I mean, he shed no business being out there in game 6, but look at just recent history tells us if Trey Young was close enough to getting on the floor, he would be he would have played. Now, I I have my gut tells me he Tries to give it a go in Game Six because they're on the facing elimination. Yep, yeah. I, I think he tries to give it a go, but I, I don't know if that necessarily gives them a, a massive advantage because I think he's going to be incredibly hindered. Now, could he be a uh, a decoy? I, I go back to what was it? Game? It was it was Game Five, I believe that Kevin Durant went berserk. Yep. Uh, against uh, against the uh, Bucks. I feel and, like ages ago, by the way. And you know, in that situation, I felt like. James Harden played his role, which was he was more or less a decoy, couldn't score, had some good assists, but just him being on the floor mm-hmm. led to the Bucks having to respect the fact that he was out there. Now, Trey Young has been more of a, a an offensive firepower, and, and the Atlanta obviously doesn't have anyone comparable to Kevin Durant, but I think him being on the floor will – will affect it, but don't go too crazy assuming he's going to be right back out there dropping 30-plus points a game.
5: It's like an injured receiver that you know you at least have to respect defensively, but you're not necessarily going to double-team every single play. He's out there. He's maybe 85%. You know, he's not as quick. He's just not going to be able to run his routes the same way. It's going to be the same situation with Trey Young if he is out there. Whatever percentage of health that he is doesn't really matter. The fact that he could still be out there, you run a couple of picks for him off the ball and allow him to just stand out on the three-point line and take some shots. Even if his ankle's bothering him, you maybe limit his movement more, but you allow him to just get open four shots. That's enough. Where if you're the Bucks, you say, well, we have to respect that, and then in turn, that open guy, open guys like you know Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter, to have an opportunity to get some open looks and continue to help this team get a rhythm. Because Atlanta can be a very, very much a rhythm team yep. where they start knocking down shots, and especially in Atlanta when they got that crowd behind them, and then they just start
4: flowing and they go on runs. And that's, again, why I really like the over in this game. Well, and I look at a, a performance tonight from John Collins uh, in the loss, but they needed him to kind of get that, uh, that confidence back. He'd been struggling a bit from three, uh, really didn't play well in the in the beatdown of the Bucks, And I think having him, you know, getting back into form a little bit, Nick, he could be a real key uh, in this game uh, on Saturday night. So I, I think John Collins, take a look at his, what his props will be. You know, tonight, Collins was at 15 and a half. He goes over that, finishes with 19 points. Clint Capella, you know, obviously dealing with the eye situation. Yeah. Um, Kevin Herter. I mean, this seems like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call Kevin Herter you know, a Terrence Mann type of sit player because he had 27 in the closeout. And then in this series, he's averaging 11 points a game. Um, But does it feel like for Kevin Herter, who's shooting 28.5% from three, Nick, this series, is this a type of game where he goes off? I mean, he was a 36% three-point shooter this regular season. So come Saturday night, he has shown that big moments don't scare him. Like game seven against Philadelphia when he went and had 27 points, could he hit a couple big shots? I do expect more from Kevin Herter. So I am, once again, a big proponent of things kind of get back to where the norm is. And I think Kevin Herter is one of those players who's maybe even playing a little bit below where he should be playing at. I also look at Lou Williams. There's somebody that should, Lemon, have, had Pepper Lou? He should have
5: had a better game in an, with an opportunity. He played, what, 35 minutes? He was just one of four from three. This is your scoring punch, normally off the bench. I mean, he's probably the greatest sixth man that we've ever had in the NBA. This was an opportunity for him to have a much bigger game than he did. So if especially if you don't have Trey Young in game six,
4: you have to have more from Lemon Pepper Lou. I still love that nickname too. It's such a great nickname. Yeah, and he's, he's one of those players that, you know, in his time in Los Angeles with the Clippers, some of his postseason numbers are just horrifying. Yeah. They're so bad. I know. So he, he, I know he. I know, but he's. But you know, this year um, in this in this postseason, he's had some uh, had some games where he is uh, you know where he stepped up. So we'll see if he he can rise. You know, he had 21 uh, in that game four in which Trey Young uh, was lost. So going to the Bucks, they had a game plan where they relied and and knew that their starters, their key players, Nick had to be the. The the leaders, um, you know, but can Brooke Lopez, you know, is he the outlier? He had 33 points tonight. Chris Middleton, you could see him sticking where he was. Drew Holiday, even for him, 25 and 13, that could be around where he is. You know, you saw the the over unders get inflated with uh, with Giannis being out of Chris Middleton being at 28 and a half, which he doesn't get to, but Drew Holiday gets to his uh, over 23 and a half. When you, when you think back to what we saw tonight, which was Brooke Lopez dominating the paint. Old school NBA. And not mm. stretching it out like he did majority of the year because they had Giannis. What type of tweak does Nate McMillan have to try to eliminate or... Uh, lessen the impact of Brooke Lopez on Saturday night.
5: Well, you're going to need more from Clint Capella, and it's hard because you talk about the, the eye situation he has right now. I mean, he's just, he's clearly not 100%. He only played 21 minutes in this mm-hmm. game, but you need somebody that can disrupt the paint, and that would normally be Clint Capella. So maybe this is a John Collins situation where, all right, you've got to be that big body that's just going to have to deal with Brooke Lopez. Granted, I... I, I mean, do you really expect Brooke Lopez to put up no. 30 points again? In the, like, it, it's it's most likely not going to happen. But you still have to game plan for that because if you're Milwaukee, you go, oh, well, this works. Uh, okay, let's let's go and try this again. Because for so often, you know, you want to spread everybody out and allow Giannis to work in the paint. But if he's not going to be there, you need somebody else to do it. So they're going to go back to Brook Lopez again. He was 14 of 18 in this game. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense to try that
4: again. I saw someone tweet out a picture of, uh, you know, when he was playing in Milwaukee, he was Luel Cinder. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that Bucks uniform, and it just said Brooke Lopez tonight. Yeah, I mean, and he, he was, he was, yeah. He Did was. he
5: have any hook shots though? I'm just... That's his brother's. Robin Lopez has that big, wide hook shot. And he's got and pr- his crazier, everywhere. Crazier hair is crazy, crazy
4: Bobby Portis too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if that is sustainable. He was, uh, he was kind of that, that energy, that punch, if you will. Yeah, no, he likes to throw those every once mm-hmm. in a while. Uh, but twenty-two points tonight for Bobby Portis, and made uh, our own Mitch Moss very. Happy about that. So 123, 112, the final right now. Atlanta, a one-point favorite, comes Saturday night with a total moving just a little bit up to 216. Open 215, and uh, now up to 216. Last check, the Bucks minus 500 series price, plus 400 for the Hawks. Nick, tomorrow night we also get Game Three of the Stanley Cup Final with the Montreal Canadiens down two games to none against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, not great prices. And you're starting to see some uh, buying, uh, purchasing of the Montreal Canadiens. Here at Circa, Montreal plus 123. Tampa, a minus 134 favorite on the road. A total of five. Um, I, I agree with uh, with Sean Shapiro from earlier in the show. I think this is the game that they have to get. Yes. Uh, I think they do get it. Uh, I, I'm going to say this is the one that Montreal gets. It won't be a sweep. They win tomorrow night. I'll say... Uh, Three to two.
5: You know what? I think Montreal wins it too. All I right. just want to agree with you on that because I want to see at least <laughs> that series go a little bit longer. I don't want to see a sweep. I know. Let's get, let's make this thing a little it's entertaining. Not, yeah. And north of the border, even though but getting that first game at home, I know it's not the same up in Canada. Having that
4: first game at home for them, well, there, there's enough juice there where that should hopefully give them a win. Thanks to Sean Shapiro, we just mentioned him. Uh, Great stuff from him. Thanks to Eric Eager. Thanks to John Yastremski. Thanks to Aaron Oster, our producer, everyone behind the scenes. For Nick Ashew, I'm Tim Murray. This has been the Nightcap right here on VEASAN.